1: Hey movie lovers, welcome back for another Anatomy of Movie. Today we scale the heights of this ambitious movie called Skyscraper, starring Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Stay tuned.
0: Welcome to Popcorn Talk, featuring movie discussion, news, and interviews. Popcorn Talk, we talk movies. And now, here's Popcorn Talk's Anatomy of a Movie.
1: That's right, ladies and gentlemen, we are here talking yet another movie, yet another Dwayne the Rock Johnson movie this year. So many we've already discussed. Who's this guy? you never heard of him. (laughs) Maybe you heard of Nev Campbell. Yes! We have have Dimitri Panos. Hey, movie fans, what's happening? And I'm Phil Sweetek. Perhaps you've heard of us if you're rejoining the show. Welcome back. If you're just joining us for the very first time, well, that's who we are. What we do is we dissect movies in depth. We don't just review them. Yes, of course, we talk storylines, but we also talk about the development, the production process, the budgets, the box office, and everything in between. All that good stuff, uh... And by that description, you can probably assume it's going to be very spoiler-filled. So if you're worried about that, stop it right here. Go see the movie. Then (laughs) join us, you know. Or if you don't care, then, hey, power to you. (laughs) What can I say?
0: More power to
1: you. And lastly, if you'd like to follow along, we do have our rundown in the description box. It's a little PDF. You can click on that, get all of our research to help enhance not only discussion but also the movie. After all, that's our primary purpose. Without further ado, though, Dimitri, overall thoughts for Skyscraper.
0: Well, Phil, I was looking forward to this movie. I mean, the the, the trailer sold it uh, to me. I mean, it's 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 Die Hard meets The Tiring Inferno, which in fact ends up being what inspired uh, this whole thing to be put together. And and look, admittedly, th- this movie is big, um, but it's a, it's a screen full of stupid. But it's a stupid fun. It's the kind of like movie that you want to get out of the summer heat, grab a big bucket of popcorn, uh, check your brain in on the first floor, and and just just go with it and have a good time. It seems as if it were filmed in the universe of the Fast and the Furious, meaning uh, it breaks every single phys- you know law of physics. It is universal. It's universal. Um. But that's okay. Like, if you get a pick on this movie, you got to pick on all the Fast and Furious movies, too. You know, at the end of the day, the, the movie really is huge. Uh, I was really happy to have seen it on the big screen. Um, there were times, I actually, you know, I, I got vertigo. It's like, what? <laughs> you know, I was a little bit afraid of heights. Actually, I'm not so much afraid of heights as I am of wits. Uh, as the great uh, Boston com- comic uh, Stephen Wright used to say, so I don't. I, I had a good time watching this movie. It continues this summer of fun. Um, it was just a, a good dopey time, and, and it was short. It wasn't like over two hours. It was just under. The movie had a really good pace. It was good to see Nev Campbell back on the big screen, and like I said, th- I, I saw this in a premium large format theater, and. Every single inch of that screen was filled, and it looked great. Mm-hmm. So, I, look, for a fun factor, I had a good time watching this movie.
1: Fair enough. I What I appreciated was that um, that Sarah, played by Nev, she has more to do than just kind of be the wife that's, that's in distress. So I appreciated that fact. Um, and I thought overall, overall fun movie. Now, when you talk about the vertigo, the... If I had anything to pick with the movie, it's the fact that we we didn't stay on these shots long enough. Hmm. And to me, it was like half a second, one second at best. And I'm like, okay, that doesn't necessarily give me the vertigo that I would expect from 255 uh, stories up in the air. Yeah, well, it definitely, it wasn't the walk. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> and, and those people who saw the walk know what I'm talking about. But it, it definitely, I don't know, when he was climbing up that crane which is laughable in itself but still and and the camera would go down and he's on that beam and like there were times again on the screen that i saw it with i was like whoa (laughs) so that's where i was having that the fun a lot of it did uh was shot from interior too so we didn't spend a ton of time outside but the, the you know the and the other ridiculous scene with the, the duct tape on the hand scaling, Spider-Manning. Listen, this is the best
1: commercial for duct tape ever, ever, ever in a movie. If you're, if you're, <laughs> I don't know the company that makes duct tape. Let's just call them Duct Tape Inc. They're clipping out this movie and they're like, "See, look what you can do with duct tape." Um, and if you can't, it's because you didn't use enough. You
0: use enough duct tape. Um, so, I yeah, I, I, again, I just. I bought into the visuals. The movie looked pretty good for what it was. Um, you knew pretty much where it was going. You knew when they brought you into the Pearl, that room, in it, and it became translucent, and all the, the, the video monitors came up. You, you knew that was going to come into play later on. But ultimately, I had fun. I agree with you with Sarah and Nev Campbell's character. I, I appreciated the fact that, that she had that military background and and that she also uh, knew Cantonese and that she was able to fight. Uh, so, so that was, I, I really appreciated that. Uh, and I, to be honest, I'm, I'm not entirely sure Nev Campbell would have taken the role had it not been a woman who didn't really do anything.
1: Yeah, because, I mean, I don't think any woman should, necessarily. Sure. Uh, so, let, let's let's sort of backtrack a little bit. Rawson Marshall Thurber uh, wrote and directed this, ended up doing this. Now, he has an interesting history. If you kind of look at him, Dodgeball, mm-hmm. one of my favorite movies. A comedy, a but, comedy. but yep. it's got fun set pieces in terms of action. Absolutely. And then he does Central Intelligence, so there's the the natural Dwayne Johnson tie-in. And then he is inspired to do this movie, as you may made mentioned, Die Hard and uh, Towering yeah. Inferno, which I have not seen either. So, <laughs> oh, so hey, listen, I don't because I watch movies doesn't mean I've seen every movie.
0: And, and there are two movies that are far greater than this movie, uh, you know, and, and there were like you could see the flashes of inspiration, you know, um, just a little bit. I mean, look, the Towering Inferno in its day uh this was the heyday of the disaster movie you had the Poseidon Adventure you had the Towering Inferno you had Earthquake um and this was just you know Meteor and 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 and, and there was Swarm and a lot of these movies all came out within this this, this early 70s decade but Towering Inferno is great because it was uh you, you, the cast put together, and getting to see the likes of Paul Newman and Steve McQueen eventually end up together. Uh, you know, uh, Paul Newman being the architect of the tallest building at the time, uh, you know, in San Francisco, and 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 Steve McQueen being the fire firefighter, and you know, going, Jesus, you you guys make these buildings so tall. It's like, how do you expect us to battle a fire like this? And and the drama, or the you know, the uh, how do I want to put it like the the soap opera drama of it all not using uh uh materials up to spec to make this building and it catches fire and of course o j. Simpson, <laughs> who saves a cat? <laughs> Um, uh, You know, and little Bobby Brady is in this movie, along with like the the likes of Fred Astaire and Robert Wagner. And you had amazing visual effects in this movie. Uh, You got involved. fate Dunaway, I mean, again, a cast that they don't put together these kind of movies anymore. You know, and then, of course, Die Hard, uh, you know, which really changed the scope. Well, changed Bruce Willis's career.
1: And it really he was in comedy, right?
0: At well, the time, I, at the, well, he was in Moonlighting. Uh, he had done. Uh, he had worked with Blake Edwards uh, in this in this comedy called Blind Date, and then this little movie uh, Die Hard comes out with this with this uh, John McTiernan. Uh, directing and the movie just surprised the hell out of everybody the summer that it came out and again it was a movie that demanded to be seen on a big screen much like Towering Inferno which I believe won for special effects that year and then it just changed action movies going forward and it 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 really changed Bruce Willis's life. So when you put these two together, it sounds like a great idea, and and it's a fun idea, at the very Mm -hmm. least. But if you haven't seen those movies, I do strongly recommend that you do. They are two different movies, and they're made at two different times. Uh, But this movie pays homage, I think, in a fun way. I don't think it degrades those movies at all. And they are still better movies, but you'll have fun with this one. So uh, if you haven't seen Die Hard or The Towering Inferno or any of the other disaster movies that I mentioned, go check them out. I know that they're all available on Blu-ray. And you might be able to find them streaming somewhere, too. Well, let me ask you
1: this. Now, uh, do you think the movie, because I've read this criticism from certain critics and a couple of fans, that said the movie's not having as much fun as it could have. Like, for example, you know, when you expect, like, if, if you're going to do, this isn't 100% a parody, but if you're kind of satirizing to a lesser extent, you just expect more ridiculous lines. Now, granted, um, Will Ford, uh, Johnson's character, does say, like, this is a... What I'm doing is about to be ridiculous. But you would <laughs> right. expect more lines of, of kind of that self-realization and the, the self-humor.
0: Well, it's funny that you say that because John McLean in Die Hard, I mean, he does that a lot. And there's one thing to me to pay homage to other than just to flat out rip it off. So, you know, John, you know, that character, I think you can't have him do that too too much, and and again, the audience should be, you know, the, the audience is going, yeah, okay, you, you've got duct tape on your hands. It reminded me that scene reminded me of the scene right out of, um, I think it was Mission Impossible uh, four, where, where Tom Cruise is there, they're in uh, um, Mumbai, Mumbai, yeah. is it, and they're on that tallest building, and he's got the gloves. You know, uh, green is, you know, green is good. Red is dead. And so I was like, but his gloves were duct tape <laughs> and he's scaling a wall. That's already ridiculous. What John McLean was doing, you know, he's he's going through air ducts and things and he's like going, what are you doing, John? This is, this is a, you know, and, but he's also trying to piece through what the hell's going on at the Nakatomi Tower, where The Rock is trying to save his family. John Mm -hmm. McClane's trying to save his wife. Um, It's just two different. They're two different characters, and Mm -hmm. I wouldn't want. Had there been more of that self, inner outer voice, I would have been. It's too much. Mm -hmm. So I was personally. I was glad they didn't do a lot of that because the audience did that for them you could do it for them I I know the audience I saw man they were just like oh my god they were just yelling at the screen I had such a good time at my at my cinema Baldwin Hills with the audience I saw it with They had such a it was so fun
1: I came to a realization that uh what laugh tracks were for comedy I think uh all these audiences watching like something on newscast footage in action movies is actually the surrogate audience. Like that's your that's your cue it's funny. to be it's terrified. That...
0: Yeah. <gasps> yeah, yeah.
1: So I, I I found that interesting as a realization watching this movie. Um, but is It's also I know we're kind of comparing this, and we'll we'll dive th- deeper into it. But but it, you know it does yield comparison because there's so many action movies. One of the things I couldn't help but think, especially when you made that comparison to uh, Mission Impossible, yeah. I think there's just an odd fundamental difference between the way Tom Cruise goes about action, yeah. Versus, you know, yes, it's absolutely ridiculous that he's doing it with duct tape. Whereas <laughs> Tom Cruise, you couldn't, you can't get more realistic than Tom Cruise in terms no. of action.
0: No, and, and you're right. And this wasn't well. Number one, there is no pearl. Number one, and number two, they're not putting. You know, The Rock is formidable as he is. Ain't doing his own stunts. Like whatever they're doing, he was in a sound stage, and you could sort of piece, you know, piece that together. But you're right. How Tom Cruise approaches an action movie, and Dwayne, you know, The Rock Johnson approaches one. I think they are totally different. Not that either one is bad. I'm not disparaging The Rock. I'm just saying they're two different movies. And if I'm going to see a Mission Impossible movie, I mean, that is a series that is. Just continually ratchets it up because Tom Cruise wants to push it, push, push, push. This isn't necessarily a franchise movie. Um, you know, th- th- he isn't Nathan Hunt. This, you know, hopefully a one-off. But in he's got a more family-going audience. I think <laughs> The Rock. I'm talking about yeah. The Rock
1: now. But uh, he's also large. Like you know, you look at Tom Cruise and. Uh, you know him as an actor is larger than life, but his characters, while fantastic, aren't necessarily larger than life. No. But, whereas, I mean, you can't look at uh, Dwayne and be like, "Oh, this is enormous. just the, the the size of yeah. him." Well, the fact it... that he could hold up a bridge.
0: <laughs> That's right. Well, like, well, let me ask you because this is another comparison that I had too that I that I kept on thinking of. This is the type of movie Arnold Schwarzenegger may have made in the 80s you know had it been given like because he always played a larger than life character whether it be in total recall what whatnot this is what watching this movie reminded me of it reminded mm-hmm. me of those kind of heroes that the, the, the larger than life big muscle guy that could hold a bridge up yeah. You know that that's there was a the, there was a hint of that the, the little dash of that too. I, that that's why I guess I thought it was fun. You know, add to the fact too that he was, um, I guess the one caveat the one the the one thing is that he was uh, he had a prosthetic leg, mm-hmm. which they explain at the beginning of the movie and how he meets uh, Nev Campbell Sarah. So, so that was interesting as well to have a, for lack of, well, to have a handicapped uh, character be not only your star, but your hero. Um, so, and and how that was approached. And I, you know, I actually felt it was uh, very respectful. And he was a guy at that point, uh, after this accident at the beginning, too, if you gotta remember, he he pretty much given up trying to be a hero. Yeah. So... Now he's got to try to save his family, and he he's not exactly in the tip-top shape, but he's well, better shape than I could ever be, you know. But uh, so, but but I like that.
1: Yeah, I, I think it, it has a strong message, and obviously, at, what, what I appreciate at certain points, it became a disadvantage because, let's say, in the early fight against his best friend, uh, his friend knew to go after the leg and just keep kicking it out, and yet that didn't deter him. Uh, and then in later scenes, what could have been easily a crux turned into an advantage. He was able to stop the uh, eleva- the doors from closing with it. So he was able – and it's just funny him giving a kiss to it. So I yeah. – I, I you know, in that sense, I know he's taking a little bit of backlash. But I, I think it's a positive message overall no matter who does it. Like when you have The Rock saying like, hey, no matter what your circumstances in life, it's really not a handicap. Yeah. Uh go and live your life. I think that's a pretty powerful thing no matter what the
0: movie. And and he that character didn't let the handicapped keep him from trying to save his family. So, I appreciated what he was able to accomplish uh, with, with the character. Look, I'm, I I I'm not handicapped, but I was like, you know, if somebody's watching this, yes, maybe they'll laugh because of scaling the things, but they, at least they're making a hero out of it. They're not making fun of it, and I, I, I think they did it with a with a cool kind of respect that you don't see in movies. Yeah. So I well,
1: liked them doing it. Well, let's let's talk about his character because one of the things we talked about in Rampage, another uh, Johnson movie, was that he always, as, as you may mention, he focuses on the family and, and and good morals. Now, there's nothing in this movie. It's it, it bleeds good morals. I oh, mean, geez. you know, who loves you? Daddy loves you. Who loves you? Daddy loves you. Right. You know, I thought um, that was a very powerful message. And and again, it, it extended to the whole family. It wasn't like, okay, dad's the strong one and right. mom's just there. You know, both did their parts. And then that in turn, um, like in a lot of the press tours, they've been playing the clip of, um, are you scared? Uh, right. Yes, I'm scared. Well, being brave, in order to be brave, you have to be scared. And Like, right. you know, for what it's worth, that's actually a pretty decent line in an otherwise, like, absolutely ridiculous movie.
0: Listen, we talked about Rampage here, in all honesty. I, again, to me, Rampage is another, you know, screen full of stupid, but I enjoy I had more fun watching this movie than I did... I, I could take the cheesiness and hokiness of Skyscraper more so than I, than I was able to stomach it with Rampage. And Rampage, I was... I had an okay time with, but this one, I think for me, this one worked better maybe because it was the homage uh, to the action movies and, and disaster movies, but you're right. I mean, again, he's playing, he's playing a hero to his kids, but he's playing a good dad, but he also has a wife that supports him too, which I also appreciated. Um, you know, when he was nervous about doing this, um, about about taking the job, I should say. When he was nervous about taking the job and in interviewing, you know, she was a good morale booster for him. So I always find that the that that our our heroes, they can be larger than life, but there's in one way, shape, or form, a humanistic vulnerability to them. Yes, they are stronger than the average mortal man. But within them, there, there's something that makes them afraid or nervous, or they have self doubt in something. That's the one thing that humans can connect on. Because even though I'm not as, I'm, I'm almost as fit as the rock. Almost, I think. Um, but from a humanistic, self doubt is a is a is a um, theme that everybody can relate to.
1: Absolutely. And you know, uh, I one of the things like we all love a good. You know, it's, it's no secret. Like with with all these uh, superhero movies, there there's a fantasy element, mm-hmm. and um, I don't know. There's just something about like a skyscraper. It, it, it's always been man's mission to get to the moon, to reach the 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 outer limits of the sky, and so forth. And so, when you build a building that literally reaches the sky, mm-hmm. um, I think that's a great sort of notion to go off of, and and they're able to pull that off. Um, and I think the way they go about it and set it up in the movie is very fast and simple and easy.
0: Yeah, and it was sort of a cool building, too. You yeah. know, I love the design of it. So since we're talking about um, The Rock or Dwayne Johnson, you know, he goes on and he, he does explain part of why he, he was drawn to this. He said easily uh, one of the, more phys- or the most physically demanding role he's ever played. He goes, and the number one anchor with audiences all around the world is the Bond of Family. He goes, regardless of race or culture or class or religion, the ideology of family is one everybody relates to. And there's something very visceral about a family being torn apart and parents doing everything they can to protect their young. So that's, you know, that's always been a special anchor for us in Skyscraper. And for us to explore this on the canvas of, of film makes it so relevant uh, to people. So, I mean, everything that we were talking about, that was one of the things that in talking with her about making this movie, that was an anchor for him. But it seems to be an anchor in almost all of his, you know, of recent movies.
1: Yeah. Well, it helps, like I said, they, <clears throat> they had a good working relationship from Central Intelligence. Sure. Um, so that helps. And as far as Nev Campbell, uh, she called the script a page-turner, which you could, I haven't read the script directly, but you can kind of imagine why sure. she would say that. Yeah. Um, and, you know, a lot of, Great actors, just in general, uh, across the board. Um, whether whether all the um, Asian actors and or the um, the villains, if you will, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, as well. So I I thought it was a good mix, and and I I appreciate it. As far as the let's say the MacGuffin of the whole piece being this thumb drive, um, right? You know, it's it's it is what it is. It's the MacGuffin. Yeah, it's what the audience doesn't really care, but the, the bad guys are after.
0: Yeah, and you know, it's funny when you talk about. The cast. So, reading up on it, in a sense, it really is a worldwide cast, as you were saying. Now, I'm sure somebody, any big fan of of The Rock or Dwayne Johnson would know this. I didn't, and I found it fascinating about him. Um, Number one, I didn't know he was born in California, okay, to a Canadian father of mixed Irish and black Nova Scotian descent okay? And a mother of Samoan, New Zealand ancestry. Uh, so, and, and this role of Will Sawyer was written specifically for Johnson. And, I, you know, so at Nev Campbell, who again, I've watched Nev Campbell. I guess I just don't pay attention because I, I don't, it doesn't matter to me where you're from, but if now I'm finding you fascinating. She's like Canadian, huge up in Canada. Um, of course, many people. Uh, believe Party of Five, the Scream movies. Uh, she took a little break. She's recently on House of Cards, uh, and this is her first. Like this is her first movie coming back from doing you know features uh, in a while. So, and then you talk about the international cast that we had going on there, uh, and and in their detail to speaking the language. Which was interesting because a lot of this movie, more than I thought, I should say, not a lot, but there was more than I thought. We're listening to uh, Cantonese or Chinese dialogue without subtitles at times, which I found to be it's like, oh, okay, (laughs) you know, (laughs) they're not going to let us in as to what they're talking about. Um, So yeah, I really enjoyed the. I, I, I enjoyed this mixed cast. Uh, you can't you can't say that this movie was
1: whitewashed at all,
0: <laughs> at now, all. <laughs> uh,
1: let me let me ask as far as uh, because all these characters obviously we talked a little bit about the MacGuffin, but what do you feel about like the reveal of what this thumb drive represents? Because we we don't get it until pretty much late uh, in the movie. Really of, late in the movie. I mean, even. I would say more than halfway through it, we finally get the thumb drive, but we don't really know what the hell it is. And then it's finally revealed: oh, it's the it's the list of bank accounts with names.
0: Yeah, and I found it interesting because um, I'm trying to. What's the? Um, all right, so Zhao, uh, played by Chin Han. Okay, he's the creator of this this pearl. Um, you don't know. Whether, you know, he hires him, it's his building. But I like where you learn, you know, later on in the movie that in order to get this building done, he had to make some deals with some shady people in order to get the funding. But doing that, he was like, well, okay, if they're going to try to hold me, extort me, well, I'm going to do this because I have technology on my side. And, uh, yeah, so he gets the list of all the bank accounts where this, uh, uh, they're not the Yakuza, but they're, uh, I don't know what you want to call them. Uh, Yeah, I forget
1: the the name of the Yeah,
0: but they were like a, they weren't a terrorist organization, so to speak, but they were a, they they were like a, a mafioso type of money kind of laundering thing. And he's like, well, I can... You know, I have a disc that if it ever comes down to it, I have this thumb drive that has where all their money is and I can expose them. That was his way of uh, holding leverage over them. I actually thought that the twist was sort of kind of cool for this. And he, Zhao actually turns out to kind of be a good guy in a way. You know, I mean, he was going to expose these people, he was going to get his ambition done, and he was going to expose the bad guys for who they were. So, I thought that was sort of interesting.
1: Yeah. You know what? Like, it, it, it's interesting as far as the sort of plotting of the movie. Um, it had remnants for me, just maybe because we saw Jurassic World not too long ago, and that's a Universal movie. The original Jurassic Park, where everything just starts shutting down, and we have to do a system reboot. Well, yeah, I, I, I same just, thing?
0: <laughs> I just had, <laughs> I don't know, you? it had
1: remnants of that.
0: <laughs> this movie has remnants of. Everything, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's it's interesting to hear Thurber talk about it, and, and I'm glad, but he says this is an original movie. Well, not so much. I mean, you're taking pieces from here and there. I do appreciate the fact that it's not a superhero movie, but you are, let's just say, paying homage to a lot of other things that we've seen done in movies before for what you have to do. But I did think Jurassic Park when they, you know, all, I, in fact I think even in the thin when they said reboot I said hold on to your butts. <laughs>
1: so yeah. there you go. Um, well, there was definitely a lot like they set up a lot at play here um, as far as everything the the let's call it mission control being whatever two miles off away from the skyscraper right. and then the various levels within the skyscraper that we had to contend with and. Um, The various people. So there there was a lot going into it and the culmination of it. um, I appreciated. like, uh, I forget, uh, Tchaikov's gun, where where you have to set up something early on. Right. And we knew that that the Pearl and the uh, whatever amount of TV screens, um, it was going to, I don't know, you just kind of knew that it was going to culminate into this. All these various pieces were going to come to a head there. Which
0: because we've had we we've watched it and we talked about it within the past uh, what do I want to say, year or so reminded me of uh, uh, that scene from John Wick 2 when mm-hmm. he's in the room instead of that being television monitors it's all the mirrors which you can probably go back to well there was the Bruce Lee movie and, and even James Bond used it and Man with a Golden Gun but this scene with all the monitors it just reminded me of of like that scene in John Wick too where where you shoot at something, oh he's not there, he's over there. It, you know, when <laughs> when the rock goes to confront this botha guy and he goes, Yeah, and he's like, Yeah, but there's just one thing, and I'm like going, I'm behind you. You knew <laughs> you knew that he was not yeah. in front of him. <laughs> yeah. But it's still a cool scene, you know. I, I, I still I was still into it anyways.
1: Yeah, and was <clears throat> what was so what worked for it was the uh, was the bond at that point between um, between Will Ford and uh, Zhao because yeah. in essence they were in opposition, just not not on the surface level, but because they were forced to. Right. It's like you have something I need and I need it from you, uh, and the other guy's like, okay, no, if I give it to you, I'm dead. And the way they were able to kind of create this plan, which you kind of knew like there, there was going to be a bait and switch at that point and figuring it out um but at no point does will ever abandon Zhao. no when he could have easily after you know he was tired wounded whatever
0: yeah no and, and i think in part because Zhao's intentions with you know with with this thumb drive were good i mean he did it for a good reason uh so that's why like Zhao wasn't and that. And it was because they kept this from the audience. Like, you don't know, really, you know, that he's not on the side of the bad guys, but there was something there where you can perhaps question. So and at the end of the day, it just it works out. And when, uh, you know, he says it's so funny because he says a line uh, at, at the end of the movie uh, where Will goes to Zhao, like, what are you going to do? This is oh, I'm gonna like re- rebuild. rebuild. That was wasn't that the ending line to San Andreas? Like, what <laughs> do we what do we do now? We rebuild, and then you see the American flag. So, it, again, it's taking from uh, you know different movies, but I but I did feel that that uh, Will was going to be working with Zhao and mm-hmm. making it even more secure. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I mean, I think there's just an appreciation, like, the fact that Will was the guy who assessed everything. Um, You know, obviously, I don't know how you account for this portion of it, but as far as, I don't know, hurricanes, tornadoes, and all that stuff, it seemed like Zhao did a a good job of ensuring, like, because unlike with Jurassic Park, spared no expense, he spared pretty much a lot of expenses, this... He really didn't spare any expenses, just no one would fund him apart from the the, the I guess the, whatever with the mafia. The
0: insurance yeah, the insurance guy who ends up being with the mafia. And see, and there's a there's a mean difference between this movie Skyscraper and the Towering Inferno, whereas uh Paul Newman is the noble architect putting this together and uh Richard Chamberlain plays the son-in-law who uh is the construction guy who uses he 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 spares literally no expense uh meaning he uses the most cheapest wiring like to get the building like whatever little it needed to make code uh, and hence that's what caused the problems uh, you know for that glass tower in San Francisco where in this it seemed you, you couldn't have Zhao couldn't have thought. <laughs> What was gonna happen was gonna happen, so to speak. But now they're even more wiser.
1: <laughs> it's a good so, little stress test, isn't it? Yeah. All right. So uh, one of the things I do want to ask you, what was your favorite set piece?
0: Um for me well number one, I think I think the I think the fight, the the, the, the first fight um between Ben and Will. Mm-hmm. I thought it was a I thought that was a really good intense fight. It it again that reminded me of some of the down in dirty raw fight scenes that you would get in a James Bond movie. Whether it's the most recent Spectre, which took place on a on a train with Dave Bautista or or, or against Robert Shaw uh, from Russia with Love, like these are like those are fight scenes. That fight scene was a pretty intense. Scene, I really enjoyed that a lot. Um, and again, with Will's character, not really, he didn't maintain the training. If you, if you, real if you noticed throughout the entire movie, it it was Will was just trying to stay alive from the fights. It was, I gotta do whatever I can to not get killed. So it wasn't like he was dominating in the fight. Yes, he has the strength, but. A lot of the time, he's just trying to stay alive, and that fight was a really brutal fight, uh, right down to the end. I like that, and and it's got to be the, the climbing, of the crane and the jumping from, <laughs> jumping from the crane, to, you know, to the building because that's the one that actually gave me the most sense of, uh, you know, like seeing it on the screen. I was like, whoa, okay. I'm surprised you? they
1: didn't use more slow-mo shots for that.
0: Yeah, me too. You
1: I, I, know, and I just heightened it of like... Ah. Uh. <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I get it. I mean, the last time I saw like a jump that <laughs> in the distance was like the Matrix. Crazy. with Trinity. I know. Uh, so anyway, yeah, I, I think there was a lot of good stuff. Um, I, I appreciated some of the smaller set pieces, even like um, in the... The staircases and things uh-huh. like that. Like there, there was a lot of small action throughout yeah. that built to some of these bigger set pieces. Sure, um, that, that I appreciated, and, and I thought it had good, like the fact that we're in a whatever you want to call it. Like, I don't want to call it a jungle, but let's say like a a garden of sorts. Right, and the atrium and the yeah. yeah. I thought that was a good set piece, right. uh, mainly because it involved the entire family. Right, and that was a good like breathing point in the yeah. middle of the you know. Uh, breathing being uh, an awkward <laughs> word because you know everything's very heightened at that point. Right. But it was just a nice reset of like, okay, everyone's good. We, you know, we'll figure this out. But at least we're kind of here together.
0: We're kind of together and we're sort of separated. Like somebody goes up over here, right. and then it was, uh, and and then one of the villains, uh, the, the the insurance, uh,
1: Mister Pierce,
0: Mister Pierce, uh, played by Noah Taylor. It's been a bunch of movies. You know he gets his comeuppance, you know, and uh, and that was pretty cool. So uh, yeah, it, it, the scene in the atrium in this big place was pretty cool too. I, I it was it was fun. I mean, there were good set pieces I felt throughout. However, there again, so we have we have we have the rock climbing up the um, the crane right. So on the ground, he's built some sort of an audience, some semblance of an audience going on, right? And did so, and I guess maybe because it's China, uh, like they had like one of the biggest, largest HD television screens. So there were, I mean, it was about as big as the screen that I was watching the movie (laughs) on. And 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 at one point, like they show the audience, and it was like watching the movie.
1: Within the, it movie. within
0: the movie, and I and I go to the complete stranger next to me, I was by myself, and I was like, "Hey, they're watching the same movie we're watching, and they didn't get to, and they didn't have to pay." And the guy looked, he goes, "Oh my god," he's like, "That's funny." I'm like, "To me, that was I, I just found that I don't know. I mean, I mean, stupid geek like that. I just found that very funny. Going, they're watching the same movie we are.
1: Well, I told you, it's the uh, it's the audience surrogate, <laughs> right." Um, absolutely. All right. Well let's uh let's start diving into some of the production aspects of this. Sure. Um so primarily filmed not on location because the location does not exist. Mm-mm. Um although that was a funny like um who's Johnson is bigger type of comparison. <laughs> um, anyway. So uh filmed in filmed in uh Canada primarily, British Columbia.
0: Imagining Hong Kong. <laughs>
1: Um, I, you know, I, I thought visually it, it, it worked quite well overall. I so. You know?
0: Yeah. I mean, the design of that building was, was really cool mm-hmm. and what it was supposed to, you know, there were, it, there was a mall, there were businesses, uh, living areas. And again, if, if memory serves, it's been a few years since I've seen the towering Inferno. That's the type of building that was supposed to be, um, in, uh, Mumbai, Dubai. In Dubai, that tall building is supposed to be very similar, too. Malls, shopping, living areas, offices, and such. So, yeah, I thought the design... Well, the design, too, I felt was original.
1: Well, they did... And, um, according to it, they took Chinese inspirations. Um, this is from the New York Post. They they were tasked with envisioning the architectural wonder at the center of Hong Kong's set. Um, and production designer Jim... Bissell uh, and his team researched local myths for inspiration and came upon a Chinese fable they could work with. Yeah. So, um, I I, appreciate... I have the fable sure.
0: that, 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 that I can read. I just have to... But before I do, too, um, because Winston Churchill is so quotable, uh, and, and Jim Bissell was inspired by this quote, where Churchill, when discussing the UK Houses of Parliament after they were damaged by bombs in World War II, said, we shape buildings thereafter they shape us. It was this quote that directed the approach of Jim Bissell to designing The Pearl. A building or city plan shapes the culture that it's in. It has to be steeped in the culture of that place we want to build it. It also needs to be architecturally viable and appealing. Despite the fact we only had, catch this, five months to to design everything and prep the movie, The Pearl had to look like it took years of development. Which it sort of kind of did, so wait, hold on, I'll go back and the the, the fable from which the pearl uh origin was was yeah inspired from uh, the dragon and the pearl, <clears throat> and once upon a time, there was a poor boy who lived in a very poor village. The land was as dry as anyone could remember, and every day the boy had to search. Father and father for grass to feed the livestock That sustained the boy and his mother One day he was digging in the fields The boy discovered a beautiful pearl He put the pearl in a jar of rice For safekeeping and the next morning The jar was overflowing The magical pearl soon brought the village Prosperity and its people No longer hungered Word of the pearl's magic spread far and wide And soon evil men came to the village Intent on taking the pearl For themselves The little boy swallowed the pearl and when he did, he was transformed into a ferocious dragon. The skies open, filling the river, the dragon disappeared into the water, for where he continues to guard the village and its people until the end of time. That's the dragon pearl and the inspiration for this. And when he there were evil men who <laughs> came to the Pearl to take it over.
1: That's right. So, yeah. Well, also too, from a production standpoint, uh Robert Il Illswit. Uh, he was the cinematographer for this, and we've made the comparison to Mission Impossible. Well, it, it, it rightly so, because he did Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol. Um, he's also done a lot of movies with, um, with Paul Thomas Anderson, like There Will Be Blood. So, uh, you know, I think he, it's well in his wheelhouse to do a movie like this. Oh,
0: absolutely. And, and again, you can't say this movie... There wasn't much in this movie, even though... You figure that a lot of it's on set because we, we at the top of the show we talked about Tom Cruise and Dwayne Johnson, but it there weren't it looked as effective on the big screen as possible, like without it seem, se- seemingly being too green
1: screeny. I mean, yeah. did you feel the same way? I, I, I you know, I, like I said, I, I'll, I use the word larger than life very aptly. So you mm-hmm. know, it takes real life and just expands. The possibilities. Sure, sure. But yeah, no point. I mean, um, I didn't feel like something was off putting visually. Not by any means. Yeah.
0: No, in all the set pieces, whether they took place outside and yeah, I mean, it looked the way that it was lit, uh, I really appreciated. uh, Whether it was on the streets, uh, or up in the skyscraper, or on the control center, which was a few miles away. Which again, if you think about it, in Jurassic Park, they had to go to the control. They had to go to turn the lights <laughs> on, and there was a, you know, there was a remote place. <laughs> so it's all in here, folks. It's all in skyscraper, <laughs> but done in a way where you don't feel like you're. I don't know. I mean, I, we're we're referencing a lot of movies, but that just means a couple of things. We see a lot of movies, and. It didn't do it in such a way that I felt like I was totally cheated. In fact, I was like, oh, that's like from Jurassic Park. I thought it was paying homage or it was the way that I looked at it. Again, I'm not saying that this movie is a great movie.
1: Yeah, I mean, when you when you start fun. to really parody is like, for example, if Zhao said, I've spared no expense. <laughs> right. like That's when right. you get into <laughs> yes. that territory of things. So, um it certainly didn't cross that line. Um, and, you know, what, one of the things you mentioned, overall, less than two hours, about an hour and 40, yeah. um, give, give or take. And um, I thought, you know, good job overall. Like, it, in and out, fun. Uh, you know, for an action movie, it helps maintain the pace, helps maintain the adrenaline. Right. It's tough to really have adrenaline for two hours, especially at this pace, this level
0: and it's something we talk about on this show particularly about comedies you don't go too long you know An hour and 40 minutes for an action movie yeah you gotta it's tight right I mean Die Hard I think broaches two hours I know The Towering Inferno was over two hours those, those disaster pictures of the 70s were long movies because again you, you're setting up there was a cast of characters there was a lot of melodrama whether it be an airport movie or earthquake or towering inferno, there's a lot of setup before we get to when the disaster happens. You got to meet everybody. Where this movie, you pretty much, this took place 10 years ago. He's got a prosthetic leg. He's now married to the nurse who said everything's going to be okay. And he's bucking for a security job that his friend helped get the interview for. That's all you need to know. Boom, boom, boom. You're off to the races. Yeah. And it's shortly after that that uh things start to unravel and we get our first like big fight scene.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. And and that's it is smart of them to even open it up on uh on the the way that they did. You know that's going to play later on and it certainly does because <laughs> um the villain's holding his daughter. Right. Uh but nonetheless even that in itself is an intense action scene to kind of get us started.
0: Yeah. And and again going back to Die Hard So in this scene, you know, Will, he's even asked, is like, uh, yeah, I haven't carried a gun in 10 years. There's a character in Die Hard who's sort of kind of helping John McClane, who's a, he's a flatfoot cop uh, who has a desk job, more or less. And it's because he had an incident and he hasn't fired a gun in like so many years and without giving much away, but... Hmm. It's very, It echoes Will's character because <laughs> eventually you know that he's gonna do something to save
1: his daughter, yeah. and he certainly does. Yep. History repeat itself. Yep. <clears throat> um, but this time he knew what to do. He knew what to do. <laughs> um, indeed. Uh, so one of the other things we always talk about is um, is music, and right. I, I want to get your perspective on this because it's uh, Steve. Um, Jablonski who's Mm -hmm. done Deepwater Horizon which is another movie we talked about and he's done uh, Transformers and things of that nature Um, you know I don't for me not necessarily the most memorable but uh, serviceable you know it didn't detract didn't necessarily like enhance it just worked it just worked again it's
0: like this isn't if you're going to do the comparisons like John Williams I believe did the, the Poseidon Adventure you know Blonsky is no John Williams, but it works. It works for whether it's heightening suspense or tense if he's out in a window. It works. Again, I not memorable. Um do I need to revisit it? Not necessarily, but for the purposes of this movie, it never it never overreached. Like it never detracted from the movie and it never became bigger than the movie, which it shouldn't. Yeah. you know you should let the action stand and this should be the great bed to heighten the action
1: i'm surprised that, speaking of reach, i'm surprised that they never use that quote man's reach must exceed his grasp right <laughs> <laughs> just just something you know if you want to add it to the extras
0: should have been, been the title card
1: <laughs> uh, just something to think about um anyway uh, as as far as uh i don't know do you have anything to add on on that Production-wise,
0: well, I mean, you know, it's it's uh, just in addition to the design team, Bissell had the luxury of filmmaker's consultation with Adrian Smith, the architect of Burj Khalifa, the world's tallest building, which I believe that is the building in Dubai, Dubai. and Flynn. Um, the producer reached out to Smith, who revealed his ideas in turn. Adrian told us that one of the many issues with buildings, these mega tall structures, is something as simple as elevator cables. He goes, they simply don't exist at that length. required to reach that height. Makes sense. And he goes, so imagine if you could you use magnetic, uh, uh, which of that elevator was, was magnetic, if I believe, if correct, which is sort of kind of what the monorail Mm-hmm. At Disneyland and Disney World sort of kind of works on. So, um, yeah, I just find it interesting calling in this guy as a consultant to to, to build the Pearl, which gave it, I think, a realistic um, look. You know, and and another thing that, that I think should be noted, because I found it to be at least very, um, just have to find it, I found it to be, inspirational at least for the movie at least for the crew and at least for Dwayne Johnson is that they used an actual gentleman who's uh he, he was in the uh, uh, Paralympics um and I, I give me a second I just need to find uh this gentleman's name because I think it's important he, I didn't know that I mean it makes sense that they brought on a uh a consultant for this, but I think his story is, is um, fascinating and how Dwayne Johnson drew inspiration from him and that he really helped him in, in even climbing the crane. He's like, he's like, when you are jumping off something, whether it be a ladder, it's like, you don't jump on your prosthetic. You have to do this and your gates a little different. Um, Give me a second. I will find it. Stall for me. Stall sure. for me. <laughs>
1: um, so while you do, we'll, we'll backtrack. Oh, there we done. go. Done.
0: There you go. <laughs> so, uh, Olympic, uh, Jeff Glassbrenner was on the set. So uh, he's an amputee, uh, and Flynn was particularly inspired when he watched a piece, the producer on HBO's Real Sports, about Paralympian Jeff Glassbrenner. And it was one of the most inspirational things he'd seen. Jeff lost his leg when he was just eight years old and was told he would never be able to play sports or live a normal life. This was at eight years old, okay? But he soon decided he was not going to play the victim or be a victim. He was going to take back the reins of his life since then. Catch this. He competed in 45 Ironman triathlons. He's become a three-time Paralympian and world champion wheelchair basketball player, and recently he became the first American amputee ever to climb Mount Everest. That's- and so, when he was asked, and he came on, like he was like, "Yes." So, and this is in a sense, you you brought it up briefly at the top of the show, but there's been a little, a little bit of blowback. Yeah, because he's, and I'm like. Well, they have one of the most forefront people who, who who decided not to let this. He decided to live his life, and to me, the fact that he felt on board to do this movie, uh, I, I think, you know, and he even goes on. Jeff feels the film was so important as an inspirational piece for everyone the world over, and I don't. We said this earlier. I don't disagree. Um and it was great that they got him on there and that he wanted to that he wanted to go and help them out so that Will's character, maybe in some sense, if there is an eight year old who is on crutches or something, um, who watches this movie, might think that he can imagine being the hero too. And that's that's a thing that I appreciated.
1: Well, I also look at it too, like <clears throat> you know, um, in this day and age, everyone bitches and complains. And it's like, listen, this guy has more to bitch and complain about than you. And yet he's not. What does mm-hmm. that say about you? Oh, okay. Yeah. Good to know.
0: So in, there's an interesting story too, um, about Jeff, uh, that I wanted to share because it's all about, cause he also talked about the psyche, which we saw that with, with, with Will's character, right? And he talks about, he was coming home actually, um, from scaling Mount Everest, And he was sitting in an exit row. And he was happy for the extra room, as we all could be if we're sitting in the exit row. But you also know that one of the first things they ask you is, uh, in case of emergency, are you able to help out and whatnot? So he's sitting in this row, minding his own business. The flight attendant told him he had to move seats. Because, um, quote, I need somebody who's willing and able. And Jeff replied, well, I am willing, and I am able. He goes, I just scaled Mount Everest. She made a move anyways. And he didn't make a fuss, but he goes on to say it's just one example of how we see a disability and not the person. And I sort of kind of felt the movie sort of portrays that theme. Yeah, You know? And it, it was really cool, and he was able to impart this, and I'm sure that helped... Dwayne Johnson you know, and how he's going to portray Will.
1: Absolutely. Well, speaking of, um, you know, along those same lines, Johnson, he's fried amputees at um, NYU's L- Langone Health uh, Limb Loss mm-hmm. Program. And, uh, you know, he, he paid tribute to them and, and, you know, kind of spent the day with them. They they watched um, right. Skyscraper and all that. And it was, it was just a... Uh, as he says, unforgettable time spent with amputees doctors and friends showing them um uh, thank you for the love and support right and um me playing an amputee yeah um it, it's it's to me it's when someone does a disservice to any particular community of people whatever that community might be right um it, it, when we run into problems
0: mm-hmm. yeah yeah uh, no uh, i i uh, yeah I, I again I didn't I was trying to see why are people upset, and I was reading and going, that's not really overly fair. Like you know, they again, I think some of it too is, well, why didn't you get a real amputee to play the part? And again, I understand there probably are a good handful of actors, but in the end of the day, it is a business, and somebody like The Rock, his name. Should lend something to 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 the project, and and I don't think he did it. Uh, uh, you know, it reminded me again, it reminded me another movie, Gary Sinise, in in Forrest Gump. I mean, Gary Sinise isn't a real amputee, but he played that part with great respect, and I thought he did a really good job. And that's not as in depth as Gary Sinise's, but I, I sort of saw the parallel yeah.
1: there. With the Captain oh. Dan. Well, also, one of the things, you know, I sort of look at it is there's a lot of people who tend to criticize online for a lot of things but don't really know the context. And mm-hmm. the reason I can make a decent conclusion as to that is because the movie didn't do as high as people predicted. So that means just not as many people saw it. Right. So you're kind of just blowing smoke to something that you haven't quite seen yet. Right. Um, it, it it As of now... Um, uh, let's see a worldwide total this is what i have so far 30 uh 73.9 million against the budget of 125 million um so you know the the estimates kept going down and down as weeks and more more importantly days came to the premiere yeah and ended up uh, around they estimated 24 million for the opening weekend it got around that um so i mean i don't yeah, know it's it was surprising I,
0: I was actually kind of surprised. I didn't uh,
1: I had seen it
0: the Thursday night prior to its, you know, I I went to preview night, uh, as I try to see a lot of movies that way and, you know, after watching it I I know, like I said, the audience I watched it with, loved it. They just ate it up. They they just had a good time. And this is the kind of um, summer popcorn fun movie. I mean, it doesn't you know, not everything not everything's going to be like a Mission Impossible or a Marvel movie. Or even a Jurassic World. Movies can be a little dopey and you can still have fun. It's just when... when Like, look, if you... it's It's like a bunch of things. If you had bad acting, if it was really bad visual effects, if you had the dumbest of dumbest of plot points, then you're not buying this movie, but... It didn't have bad acting. It had good fight scenes. It had some decent set pieces. I mean, if I'm enjoying a Fast and Furious movie, there's no reason why I couldn't enjoy this movie too. It really did seem as if it were filmed within that universe of huh, okay, logic's out the window here. But uh, I, yeah, I had a good time. I was a little bit surprised that audiences. I mean, because they they, they so seem to love The Rock. And if you can make a movie like Rampage work, I don't understand why you
1: could make a why this summer movie couldn't work. Well, it did get a B plus cinema score, which isn't nay necessarily, but it's it's still pretty high. Mm-hmm. Certainly, it's okay. you know, since a lot a lot of the a lot of the other movies we've talked about do far worse. Sure. Um, so it's it, it's not bad. I mean, although a forty nine percent on Rotten Tomatoes, it was never going to Scott it's actually quite surprising for a movie like this with critics I'm well yeah it was
0: like 49 or 50 you expected it to be lower yeah did you I
1: mean I for I, critics certainly because they just show up their own ass sometimes
0: you know I we I enjoyed it I, I mean I would give it higher than a a, a a 50 that's for sure I mean again this isn't a great movie uh, but I did while, while watching it in the summer it did give give reprieve to the heat. I had a fun time with the audience. It looked, it looked very grand on the big screen. And Thurber says he made this movie for the movies, for the big screen. And I think all the 125 million, which actually, in this day and age, for this kind of a set piece movie, it's sort of kind of cheap, <laughs> right? <laughs> when we talk, I mean, like we're not talking Blumhouse budget, but 125 for how this movie looked. Uh, I think they would. They came in on budget pretty well. Yeah. They did a good job. So, I yeah, I actually was a little bit surprised. You know, the only thing that I can um, think of is they, they, they seem to have just miscalculated Hotel Transylvania 3, which, again, is going for where The Rock normally goes for, for, for that family crowd. They went right up against a family movie where there hadn't been an animated movie since Incredibles 2. Which is, you know, it's been out for a long time now. This is the only thing that's out there, animation-wise. Um, so that may have been their only miss. The, 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 it, it was, you know, hindsight's twenty-twenty, and they're probably looking at it. Yeah, we should have probably taken Hotel Transylvania three a lot more seriously.
1: Is my yeah. guess. I mean, the tough part is like try squeezing anything into the summer I schedule. <laughs> it's like, yeah. There's nowhere to go.
0: Yeah, and it makes me wonder, too, like, all right, let's let's say roles were reversed for this and Rampage, right? Say Rampage came out on this same date, I wonder if it would have fared similarly as Skyscraper did, going up against a hotel, Transylvania 3. Again, I, I, I found this movie to be more entertaining than Rampage was. Maybe I'm in the minority. Viewers, if you've watched both movies, which one did you have more fun in? You've seen both, right? I've seen now, both. which one did you like? Better? I think this
1: one was, this one's far better to me. Um, because it's 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 not quite San Andreas, but it is somewhat of a companion piece. It's and, sort of. And to be honest like San Andreas, if if you're looking for the best of of the Rock, as far as those, movies. San Andreas is really good movie. It's overall. a lot.
0: That one, of the three, San Andreas, like so, San Andreas Rampage, this skyscraper, San Andreas, by far has, it's far, it is a lot of fun, and it is an homage to the disaster movies and earthquake in particular, and it was, you know. Really, a, a really a fun well ride. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. And then I would put in skyscraper and then rampage. Yeah, you know. But 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 I found this to be a more enjoyable movie for me, um, you know, than I did on rampage.
1: Well, fair enough. All right. Well, that's our thoughts and opinions on this movie. Of course, uh, if we really racked our brains, we could think of more. But um, but that's what the comments sections for. Let us know what you think. Let us know um, what you guys want to discuss further. Happy to do so. Um, it's always a fun fun time reading what you have to say. Um, in the meantime, Dimitri, any final thoughts before we head out?
0: Yeah, I, listen, uh, hopefully you did see Skyscraper, and hopefully you did go see it in a very big screen. If you're watching this and you haven't, hopefully maybe we persuaded you to go see it on a big screen. It's, it's summer movie fun. You've got one more week before Mission Impossible Fallout uh, uh, opens. So, this movie is still in theaters. It's still playing on a big screen. It's, it's popcorn fun. And what better popcorn fun movie to talk about uh, rather than on the Popcorn Talk Network. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So, yeah. And yeah. also, I just want to say hey to Meet the Movie Press. Uh, Simon uh, Thompson and Scott Menzel are down in San Diego, Comic-Con. Uh, so, they're, they're, um, you know they're, they're working their way through all the porgs. Hmm. <laughs> that are down there. But they, you know, speaking of, they actually really enjoyed the movie as well in their real press. Um, they, they thought that the movie was equally as fun as we did. So.
1: Yeah. Well, there you have it. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. Um, on behalf of Dimitri, you can follow him at DMovies1701. Yeah. Thanks.
0: Yes, please do. Hmm. I'm almost up to 300.
1: <laughs> Look at I'm- that. Almost.
0: Almost, it teeters.
1: Scaling the heights of that so Twitter sick. sphere.
0: Oh yeah, oh I'm scaling all right.
1: <laughs> uh, I'm at PhilSvitek. Uh You can. That's that's pretty much everywhere. Thank you guys for joining us. We do appreciate it. Um, down the pipeline. If you like action movies, we've got Mission Impossible, Fallout. So we will be talking about that. If you love The Rock, we we did do Rampage. We've done uh, Jumanji. Uh, we've done...
0: Baywatch. Baywatch. This was better than Baywatch. This was um, better.
1: We did San Andreas. Uh, yeah, so we, we did. We do have a collection for you of just action movies and that if you sift through, you can find.
0: You'll be doing Transylvania... Transylvania 3. Uh, 3 and uh, Equalizer uh, 2, Yes, uh, which I saw last night. And uh, Mamma Mia, here we go again. Ma- here we go again. So... This summer, there's a lot more movies coming out. It seems this summer is rich with uh,
1: movies, like like a lot and stuff that I want to go see. Yeah, a lot of it's uh, a lot of it is like kind of can't miss. Yeah, you know what I mean. You kind of just want to catch it all. That's the way I feel this year. So it's it's a good feeling. It's an overwhelming feeling, but a good feeling. Yeah. All right, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we're anatomy of a movie here on the Popcorn Talk Network. For, for more of Dimitri's stuff, check out Meet the Movie Press um, earlier on Fridays or just check it out on demand. Thank you, guys, as always. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.
0: From producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire Popcorn Talk Network, we would like to thank you for tuning in. For questions or comments, be sure to visit popcorntalk.com.